Hi guys, welcome back to Merlisten, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, the show, the fandom, and anything else we can think of talking about. My name is Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And today we're going to talk about the sixth episode of the first season, A Remedy to Cure All Ills. Hey, I said the title right the first time. She's Yay! done that like three times <laughs> and hasn't been able to say it. <laughs> Listen, it's a hard title for someone who's not a native English speaker, okay? With the it's so funny though when you tried to like introduce it last time and I was just like, you don't even know how to say it. <laughs> it's that bad. You don't even know what the title is. <laughs> Listen, I know what the title is. I have it written down. I, know, I, know. I just cannot say it. Like I'm I'm physically prevented <laughs> from saying it. Anyway, before we go more into this episode, we're going to hear some news real quick. The Pendragons, the Arwen Life Journal community, is hosting a rewatch to celebrate the 10 years anniversary of the show. So go and check it out, especially if you ship Arwen and want to rewatch the show with other Arwen shippers. Kings of Camelot, the new Merlin King meme, could use some more people filling requests and also requesting fills. This is your reminder that today, April the 15th, is the last day that you can sign up for the Merlin Writers and Artists telephone game. Meanwhile, Cornelot has announced a complete schedule for the convention at the end of September this year. They've also started to introduce most of the panels more in depth, releasing one per day until they're done. Go and check it out if you want to know what's going to happen on that weekend and also maybe want to book your ticket. And finally, the WIP Big Bang, a multi-fandom Big Bang to help you finish that WIP you've not been creating for, just closed their sign-ups to authors, but the artist sign-ups are open until the 21st of May, so go forth and do stuff for finally going to be finished WIPs. And that's that. Now we're all informed about stuff happening in fandom, so Let's talk about a comment that was left on our character analysis episode on our lovely Gwen. This is a comment left by Archaeologist D. And she had some interesting things to say. And I think Roxanne is the one who really wants to talk back to that. <laughs> um, no, well, I mean, the, the first comment that Arch D left was to do with fanfic. And one of the things that we've discussed at length on this podcast is how we can't really get to grips with whether there's a larger amount of canon or modern AU or who prefers what and we just don't seem to have like a definitive answer for that and Archie says here I've been in fandom since almost the, the beginning and my impression was that there was a lot more canon or fix it fic while the show was on and not as much modern AU until the show was nearly over and we could see where it was going also, we had a lot of big name writers early on that wrote canon that moved on after the first couple of years. I honestly prefer canon to read and to write and mourn the death of canon fix these days. There seems to be a whole lot of modern stuff, which, while well written, doesn't really do it for me. And I basically kind of I didn't go off on like a rant, but I was just like, basically, I think this frustrates me because as someone that likes to know things definitively, <laughs> like <laughs> there's so much volume of fic in this fandom. And like we've discussed before, I think in our first episode, we went into this like 
more in depth but there's been such a migration from you know fix being posted on lj slash ffnet moving through to ao3 and then eventually to tumblr and some people do cross post from tumblr to ao3 but some don't so there are some fix that you can just find on tumblr and i just find that when you're talking about a fandom like merlin that came out in that time of kind of migration like throughout the show's airing it's just impossible to really get a, a handle on what genres for where or even the size of the fic because for example Twitter, on AO3 I actually looked this up like when I first saw this comment weeks and weeks ago I don't have the stats with me but I do know that um, from the ending of the show till now there is like so much more fic written on AO3 now that it's finished than there was between 2008 and 2012 when it finished. Now, obviously, part of that is because AO3 just wasn't in use. But that's what I'm saying is like where we, for example, mostly use AO3 to back up our arguments on quantifying fic. It's not that helpful sometimes because it's like, well, we know for a fact that there was more fic written while the show was airing than that. Unless I'm just completely crazy, <laughs> but I'm sure that there was like a lot of fic written and I would, you know, it doesn't make sense that when a fandom ends, there's more fic being written than when it was airing. Like that just doesn't make sense ever. So it's just very frustrating that like, you know, and I mean, forget trying to quantify anything through LJ because it's just like, can you imagine that Momo actually coming up with any kind of statistics from live channel? Oh man. That would be the dream, honestly, if I could actually quantify yeah. all the stuff on LifeJournal. Like, that would that would honestly make my life, probably. <laughs> Maybe you should give it a go, because that would oh, be God. quite a lot of fun for you. But uh... yeah, there's just too much, like, it's just too scattered, basically. And, like, I think... I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't even have a clue where to where to even start to kind of get that divide and i think it just goes to show from my experience maybe i was just looking in the wrong places but even when i was because i read most of my fic in the hiatus between season two and three and then while season three was airing and i'm just like i i swear that the the majority of the fic i was reading or like maybe not the majority but it was an even split between modern au and canon and maybe it's because the fics that stick in my mind are the ones that I've listened to on Podfic and nearly all the fics I've listened to on Podfic in the Merlin fandom are modern AUs, ones that stand out. So I'm thinking DRP, I'm thinking Student Prince, I'm thinking all the stuff that Lunchy has done, I'm thinking Two Weeks Notice, I'm thinking Lord Drake's Bequest, like all those fics that really come to my mind really quickly are all modern AUs, like the biggest ones. I know there are big canon fics, like I do know that, but I don't know, I feel like they don't, I don't remember them and I feel like they don't have as much of a following. Like I'm not going to make like a snap judgment there, but I mean, you're more of the statistician Momo. So why don't you give me some insights? <laughs> I mean, if it comes to what I, what I personally remember is that I probably have a less buyer bias towards modern AU memory of specifically podfix that I've listened to because I've listened to a bunch of really good Canon AU podfix. Okay. Um and I'm the one who doesn't even really take an interest in Canon yeah. AUs. Like I I really am more into modern AUs. I don't 
I don't go out and look for canon fix or canon AU fix. That's just when it happens to like fall in my path and be something that ends up interesting me for a variety of reasons. But like I definitely have a good bunch of canon part fix that I've listened to, like uh, Nights Have a Thousand Eyes, um, 8x12x8, which is really great, but also super angsty. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I have a couple of, of canon AUs that I think of, but I mean, I've said this before, my, um, my impression is that fandom as a whole is, uh, more into canon AUs than modern AUs. Like I look at a community on LiveJournal that we've mentioned before, Merlin Finders, and most of the fakes that are requested there are canon AUs of some variety, usually involving magical reveal. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's a whole trope in, in this fandom. <clears throat> Which makes sense a lot more in canon AU than modern AU, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> and, uh, like, from fans I've spoken to who said that they prefer canon fakes and canon AUs to modern AUs because... They want to relive the magic of the show, like um, Real Life Success has said before in one of their comments. So, you know, I totally I totally get why people want canon AUs. And like I said, my impression is that fandom, like the majority of fandom just is more into canon AUs. And because I like to, like just, you were talking about how it looks on AO3 versus how it looks on LifeJournal. And obviously I cannot check LifeJournal. I mean, I... I'm sure I could, <laughs> but that involves like a lot of time and dedication, and um, I don't have either one of those at my disposal at the moment yeah. for this specific question. But just looking at AO3, I recently looked it up, and there are like um, roughly thirty-one thousand works for Merlin, like our fandom Merlin, posted on AO3, and. Around five and a half thousand works are tagged with modern AU um, on AO3, mm-hmm. and only around um, one and a half thousand works are tagged as canon AU or canon compliant. However, if you crunch the numbers, like five and a half thousand and one and a half thousand, it's still only seven thousand out of thirty-one thousand works which means there are roughly 24,000 works that are tagged as neither modern AU or canon AU, which can mean anything. <laughs> it could be something else entirely, like science fiction, or, I don't know, high fantasy AU, mm. or I don't know what. Or yeah. it could just be, like, because um, if you're writing something that's canon or a canon AU, you don't necessarily tag it as such, because why mark something as that's all you know that's implied like yeah exactly you only you only mark the thing that's different so you know the assumption is that out of those twenty four thousand works that haven't been explicitly tagged as modern or canon (laughs) they're probably the more like there are probably a lot of them that are that are still canon works so i would still maintain that the majority of the fakes even available on ao3 are canon fakes of mm-hmm. some variety, thus my impression that fandom as a whole is more into canon fakes than modern AU. But, you know, that's that's a question we'll probably never settle. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just, it's, I think it's one of those things we just gotta keep coming back to. Yeah. <laughs> because I, it just baffles me how I got such a different impression while I was reading a lot, like at the time. I just, yeah, I got such a different impression. But, you know, like, that's fine. I, I, like I've said many times before, I prefer canon. So it's not like I'm trying to say, oh, I think modern AU is better. Like, uh, although I will say, now that I'm thinking about it, if I'm turning to a canon fic, it's probably because I want to cry. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> well, think about it. If you're shipping Martha and you're reading a canon AU, there's very little chance of there being a happy ending because they can't be together. So it's like, you know, but if I'm reading a modern AU, then I want like a, normally I just want like a, like a, like a rom-com sort of thing happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, but canon, yeah, I don't, I don't turn to canon for my fluff. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not going to happen. All right. There were more things you wanted to say in response to RHD. Yes. So let's talk about some of something else. Um, so she says, FYI, in season two in The Witchfinder, she and Merlin investigate what was going on. One of my favorite scenes with Gwen of all the episodes. I love Team Merwin. I wish we had more of that Gwen because it would have been awesome. I think she's referring to when we said that Gwen is quite an intelligent character because she figures things out before everybody else does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, was, that yeah is... and I just love that. Yeah, I love that scene as well. And I love how she figures out that it must be like a hallucinogen. Like, that's just really, really cool. Yeah, and I noticed this, um, I mean, it's going to uh, probably not entirely coming up in, in our review of uh, Remedy to Cure All Ills, but Gwen does it in that episode as well. Like, she comes in when Edwin is about to um, get the beetle back from, from Morgana's brain, and Gwen comes in and sees sees this dude leaning over Morgana, and she's she realizes that he's acting a little bit shifty, yeah. And weird. And then later, um, she talks to to Merlin about it and to to Gaius about it. And she's like, "There was no, there was no blood in Morgana's ear. He put it there. He was he was being weird, basically, is what she's saying." So yeah, you know, that's that's another testament to Gwen being smart, oh, yeah. which I like. <laughs> I like it too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wish we'd had more of that. Um, yeah. She show. would have been so awesome. Like, there's pro. I'm sure there is like a crime-solving AU somewhere where she gets to be a kick-ass detective who solves yeah. crimes, and it's just really awesome. But I just forget so much of that part of her character because, like, all they have her do is moon over guys. Like, yeah, just like can we not? <laughs> can yeah. we have more actual things for her to do? Thank you. Yeah. Please. Um, and then. We have, um, oh, I, I feel bad about reading this quite out because it's basically me telling you off in a sense. <laughs> Do you want to read it out? <laughs> I can. Like I can read it. Hang on. I just... <laughs> okay. So here's what, what um, Dee said. Momo, I disagree about what you said about her treatment by everyone when she's found kissing zombie lawns. She would have been treated like a pariah, would have been killed in real life, and I could see why everyone would have stayed away when she left. Banishment was the least Arthur could do, from an emotional point of view, and a king's point of view. I found Arthur very much a king when he banished her. Do you have anything to say to that first? Or... <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> listen, I can, like, 
we I can see how it would have been worse for her in reality, okay? Like if this were an historically accurate show all the time <laughs> I I would see like I I would definitely agree here and I, I do agree that this is the like banishment is the is the kinder judgment compared to what it should have been had the show been historically accurate. But as we have already discussed many times now, the show picks and chooses when it wants to be historically accurate. And either they are going to be historically accurate and punish her the way that she would have been in real life, or they're not, and they're going to show her, like, you know, either way, like, either you be a historically accurate or you're not, and then you treat your female characters with more dignity than Gwen received in that episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I th I feel like it's, yeah, it it's a real tricky one for me because obviously, like, I don't like seeing Gwen being treated like that. But I'm, but at the same time, I think if the show had done anything else, I would have literally probably stopped watching. I would have been like, you cannot physically expect me to take this anymore. Like, like with how little you care about, like, just set it in modern day London if you want to do like a BBC Sherlock version of Merlin, <laughs> like, mm. which actually would have been quite cool. But anyway, um, like, <laughs> moving on. I don't know, like, it It just really kind of made me laugh when the episode aired, and I thought it was just a really powerful moment, like, when that happened. And um, also, it made me really, it made me laugh when, <laughs> I just remembered this, when Arthur says, do you know what they're saying? That in my father's day would have been hanged. He's talking about his father's day as if, like, he's living in 2010, and his father's <laughs> day was, like, in, you know... 1066 and i'm like <laughs> you are in the same age your like moral standards are of the same era <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about it just makes me really love that oh and my father's day no <laughs> you're still in medieval times but everyone jumped on like the arthur pendragon hate bandwagon like i like i remember it so clearly like on tumblr and i was just like guys what on earth is going on like I know that it sucks to watch this, but like she's lucky to be alive because that's the whole point of Morgana's planet. That that's why it was so good and so evil is because like Gwen didn't stand a chance. Like obviously she wanted her killed. That was obviously the point. Morgana's probably very upset that you know that didn't happen. But I'm just I don't know. I feel like the whole the whole thing with people not really taking as much of a interest with at like whether she might have been enchanted or not is like a is like a fair point although i think we did cover it that you know it was such a good cover up because lancelot was like such a sore nerve like for everyone that like it made sense but yeah and like definitely with her brother but i feel like they could have probably done away with the with the shot of her like carrying the um yeah. the wagon i know that you really didn't like that and yeah like i yeah. like i feel like although like it you know it it kind of does what it's meant to do, which is you, you feel so sorry for her. Like, you know, it, it's that, that's really like hard to watch. Like, but I don't know. I feel like it, it did what it meant to do. Like it made you really feel for her. And I guess, you know, if you're like a Gwen Stan, like seeing her come back to Camelot and like, 
not redeem herself because she's not obviously done, done anything wrong, but redeem herself in in the narrative in a sense. Like must have been all that more rewarding because like of how like horrible it was for her then. But I don't know. Like I'm not really like a a Gwen Stan, so I don't really have many many feelings about it. But I just thought like performance wise and everything it was really good and like really dramatic like that whole storyline but I don't know. yeah i mean performance wise yes yeah of course <laughs> all right so thank you d for all that you've said and given us more stuff to talk about please keep up the good work we love hearing from our listeners and then discussing your responses as you have noticed. And now we're gonna actually talk about a remedy to cure all ills. I keep saying it right. I'm so impressed by myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Just to remind everyone what this episode is is about because it is really rather forgettable. Um Here's a quick summary that uh, I had to write by myself because not even the Merlin uh, Wikipedia wanted <laughs> to put a quick summary of it on oh their website. God, like, that is you so have, funny. You have the entire like plot narration, like frame by frame, basically, but they couldn't even come up with like five sentences to describe what's going on. And same for IMDb, or well, I think IMDb had a a not helpful summary. Anyway, here is what the episode is about. Edwin uses magical bugs to put Morgana into a coma. When Gaius fails to cure her, Edwin poses as a physician who can save her. Upon successfully reviving Morgana, Uther offers Edwin a job as a physician in the castle, retiring Gaius against his will. It's Merlin who saves Uther's life after Edwin sends his bugs into Uther's brain. So... That's what happened, among other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The episode aired for the first time on the 25th of October in 2008. And there were two female characters with lines in this episode who are Gwen and Morgana. And then six male characters who are, of course, as ever, Arthur Merlin, Gaius, Uther. And then you also have Edwin and Geoffrey of Monmouth. The enemy and monster or monster of the week are Edwin and his uh, Elanthia beetles. And Merlin kills exactly one person, who is Edwin. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> he had it coming, honestly. I usually like to do a bit of creaturology on like monsters and creatures that have been used in the uh, in the episode, but the Elanthia beetle if i'm even pronouncing this correctly is a made up thing by the show like the the show the writers the showmakers just invented these beetles there is no um no base in any kind of real life myth or mythological creature that we that we know of so sorry i don't have any <laughs> I don't have any interesting facts about the Beatles to share today, except that they're creepy and disgusting, just like Edwin. But anyone yeah. who's ever seen the episode knows that. So, 
Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I just find it really difficult that Merlin's love interest in The Student Prince is Edwin, because I'm like, why would you make me <laughs> Oh, I can that? I can totally see that. I've seen that before in other fics. Well, not before, because Student Prince was one of the first ones I read. But, like, I've seen this in other fics as well, and it um, ties into stuff uh, like that I, I can totally see just from watching this episode. So um, let's start with things that we didn't like about the episode. Like I'm just, <laughs> I, uh... I mean, what what did I like about the episode? Should <laughs> probably. <laughs> Should we just okay? I think maybe we'll yeah. just go to hell with the normal format. Let's just yeah. discuss because I yeah. feel like there's so many gray areas here mm-hmm. because I think. I'm very confused as to why this episode is so forgettable. Like, I genuinely am, because... There is some good stuff in it, actually. There's loads of interesting stuff here, but I never never watch... Like, like I always skip it. And I think probably deep down I'm just disappointed that not like more wasn't done with any of these 20 years earlier storylines. Yeah. Like, it's such a waste. And, like, yeah. yeah... Yeah, it's okay. I'm gonna quickly do my um my Gaius rant <laughs> because that is like one of the things that I take about away from this episode. So first of all, okay, one of the a, a, I I rewatched the episode this morning, so this is fresh in my mind, and I wrote it down. And like a hilarious quote by Gaius. Uh, when talking about Morgana's illness, when Merlin offers to, you know, cure her with magic, Gaius says, this is not a magical illness. And as a viewer, you just have to lose it at that point, because yes, Gaius, it actually is a magical illness. There is literally a magical beetle inside her brain. (laughs) Which, to be honest, he doesn't know at that point, but it's just hilarious in the context uh. honestly and it i think it it just okay this is you know i feel bad for guys in this in this one moment because like he doesn't know this and like it's it's such a way of foreshadowing what's happening that he you know he doesn't recognize what's actually happening to morgana because how could he who suspects a beetle in a brain <laughs> <laughs> But um yeah, other things like in this episode, okay. Um like Edwin makes makes a comment to Merlin when he catches him doing magic in in his chambers, you know, waking up the beetles and stuff and then um like Edwin catches him and then he he makes comments about Merlin having magic and Merlin just um looks really like a frightened rabbit and Edwin remarks on how Merlin fears magic and that is something Merlin didn't do before he came to Camelot. Like, I don't think baby Merlin, when he first arrived in Camelot, feared his own talents. Because he had no... Like, he knew that he was different and that he was special and that people might, you know, not take kindly to his gifts. That's why he left Ealdor, for example. Because his mother wanted to see him safe in a place where... Magic was even more hated than in Ialdo, but whatever. Let's not go into that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but Merlin didn't really fear his magic, but now he does. Like, this is something that he has learned 
from Gaius and from being in Camelot that, you know, having magic is something scary and dangerous, something that can get you killed. And at the same time, he is so thirsty for someone who will teach him something about magic, how to hone his talents, how to become better at controlling them and using them for, for a good purpose. That it's like he's so such an easy target for Edwin. Like he trusts Edwin after just the smallest sign of encouragement and praise from him. Like all Edwin does is tell Merlin to pick something up using his magic. And Merlin's like, Gaius doesn't like me too. And Edwin is like, go ahead, you have the talent. Why why not use it to make your life easier? You know, Merlin just takes to that because he's a baby. Why wouldn't he? And no one's been been nice to him about his magic. Like everyone else has only ever told him to keep it hidden, to keep it a secret and to to make sure nobody ever finds out. And Edwin is just telling him, here, go ahead. I, I, I think your gift is great and I want you to use it and I want to help you figure out what else to do with it, which is coming back to this why I can see how Merlin in another context could be attracted to Edwin because Edwin is being a manipulative fuck mm. who knows exactly how to get out of Merlin what he wants, how to gain Merlin's trust and how to endear Merlin to himself. Yeah. So it's really, I can totally see how this can happen in fakes that, yeah. that Merlin would go for Edwin because... Like, I can see it. Yeah. Like, I can see the chemist, like, the, the potential chemistry. I'm just saying, I can't believe that, like, for, like, people actually wrote it because it's just so <laughs> weird. <laughs> like, it's really creepy. Like, I can see it. But then when, but like, like, that's the one section I always dread when I'm listening to the student prints on Podfic. Like, when Edwin shows up and then they're all like, doing things and i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) i mean i gotta say that um i forgot what the actor's name is but the guy who actually plays edwin when he like doesn't have a prosthetic of a burnt face on his face i actually find him quite attractive so i can't see how this happens (laughs) it's not even the burn like because i'm you know like i like to think i'm a a bit you know maybe i can see like part like fine it's it's (laughs) It's the hair and the creepy robe and like. Listen, like... he's really good at swooshing his rope, though. Oh. Like he makes and he's, I I actually I enjoy watching him for this one purpose because he's just he's just really good at being a bit of a drama queen. And some like when he when he meets Uther in the throne room just before he gets to examine Morgana, he just. He he stands around lounging all chill and stuff, you know. And then Uther strides in and Edwin immediately falls to his knees and holds out the scroll that yeah. with his credentials <laughs> and stuff. And I'm just like, Oh my god, you're such a drama boy. I'm not surprised Uther eats it up. <laughs> like, Brilliant. Uh, robes creep me out. It always makes me think someone's going commando underneath. <laughs> so I'm just like I can't really get behind a robe. That's your own problem, though, Rox. <laughs> no, it's robes are creepy. No, <laughs> I 
just put on some pants. I can't go. And it makes him seem a lot older as well. I think it's because Gaius wears a robe. And like yeah. it just and like, you know, the original Merlin, like in the mm-hmm. like in the in the in the Disney movie wears a wears a robe. And it just makes me think of like old men. So maybe that's why it also creeps me out, like the whole Edwin and Merlin thing. <laughs> like <it> may, <laughs> I don't know. Every yeah, I don't know why. Because I know he's young. Like I know that because his parents like were in the in the purge 20 years earlier like i get it but it's, yeah no no i, I can't, it's definitely a no tp for me i saw i saw a fan art on discord recently of um uther gaius and joffrey as young men Ooh. and um i was like i think joffrey looked like lucius malfoy <laughs> and i think gaius actually looked like Probably serious black, <laughs> just from the just from the aesthetic and the and the look. Are they <laughs> and everyone commented like, "Oh no, they're hot." <laughs> are they aware that there's actual photographic reference of what these actors looked like when they were younger? <laughs> Did they just not? Who cares? <laughs> I care. <laughs> Historical accuracy. <laughs> yeah, I just. Edwin is not my fave, I, but but I feel like he is really interesting because of his link to the past, and that's something I always wanted more from this show. I'm still waiting for my 20 years earlier prequel. <laughs> I don't, I'm never gonna get it. But absolutely, anytime we get an episode that like talks about the purge, I'm always just so interested because I just wish. We knew exactly what happened. And we never really find out. You know, Nimue has her agenda. Uther has his agenda. And we never really get an, an objective perspective. I think even Arthur's mother's ghost is probably not... I I, I actually have a theory. Like, I mean, I is it pretty much a consensus in fandom that she didn't really come back? That Morgos just kind of fabricated the whole thing? And that, like... Because I can't imagine, like... Arthur's real mother being so like judgmental towards her husband who she loved like I don't know I feel like that's more goes his words rather than hers but I don't know like so I feel like we never really got like an objective point of view of what happened and I would have loved to have seen more of that and just like Edwin and Guy's conversations about like and I mean, I know that you really don't like guys, and like I'm like I I I really don't have any feelings about him one way one way or the other. But just he's so shady, and I love it, like how he's just kind of in the middle, and he's you know. Uh, but I, I love the the line I wrote it down here where he talks about Edwin's parents, and he's like they were so, they were sorcerers, and then he goes they practiced magic, and I'm like that's the same. <laughs> And I'm like, it's sort of like me saying, I'm wearing pink. No, I'm wearing a mixture. No, no, but what he says, what he says um, is they practice dark magic. No, he just says they practice magic. Okay, well, later he says they practice dark magic. Oh, okay. No, like, it just made me laugh Uh that he basically just said the same thing that guys did. He was like, they they were sorcerers. They practice magic. I'm like, you're not really (laughs) denying it. You're just saying it in a different way. That's it's just, oh, it just makes me I mean, I think it's I think it's oh yeah because yeah it's it's Edwin who says uh, they practice magic. I think it's because sorceress has become this kind of slur <laughs> in Camelot, 
for like evil people like sorcerer is is, yeah. is synonymous with evil person in uh, in Camelot or at least to Uther while practicing magic in itself like especially from someone who has magic from their point of view just practicing magic is not evil mm. you know so like you can use magic for good stuff as we yeah, have fair. learned but yeah no. cracks me up I which i also just... find interesting that you know only at the end when edwin is about to die uh we find out that his parents apparently practiced evil magic and not just any kind of magic and that gaius um knew about how they practiced bad magic and not good magic and you know that that might have been a motivation to let them burn at the stake because you know it's easier to turn to turn a blind eye when when it's someone who's actually bad gets punished instead of someone who's doing good so i find it interesting that that only comes up near the end so that we as the audience don't feel so bad for edwin getting killed because up to that point like regardless of whether you like uther or not the only thing edwin had going against him was that he didn't like Gaius, that he used Morgana for his own gain, and that he wanted to kill Uther. And I mean, he did save Morgana, although he was also prepared to let her die in case and they Merlin. weren't going to. And, well, he, he yeah, he was using he was Merlin as blackmail. Gaius, yeah. yeah, he was using Merlin as bait and blackmail purpose for Gaius. But, like, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure everyone was, was sure that Gaius wouldn't read out Merlin. I don't know. Because then Gaius would also have to... um, Like, I'm pretty sure that Edwin wouldn't have just told Uther about Merlin, but also that Gaius knew about Merlin. Yeah, yeah. but I don't think, like... But to be perfectly fair, I'd, like you, you can't really prove that Gaius no. knew just because he was living no. with him. Like, And I think because mm. Edwin knows that Gaius has done like you know like like let people die before he'd probably let them die now so yeah yeah that's a really cool like that like that whole like it's just yeah like this whole episode just goes under my radar constantly like Gaius visits the dragon in this episode like why do I always forget that he went to visit the dragon like it's such a big deal and it's never talked about it's so annoying Gaius Gaius was actually smarter in talking, like, he had already figured out that you have to second-guess the dragon, because the dragon says something like, um, because they talk about, um, does Merlin have to die, or, like, or does Uther, rather, does Uther have to die, and the dragon is like, well, Merlin and Arthur all tied together in destiny, blah, 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 and, um, magic will come back or something, or, you know, the land will be great, whatever, I know. I don't remember the exact wording, but like he says that only Arthur and Merlin together can bring about uh, Albion's greatness, whatever. And then um, uh, Gaius is like, but does Uther like, like, but then Uther has to die, and the dragon is like, their time cannot come until Uther's time is over. Mm. And then Gaius, because he's actually not stupid asks but is that time now yeah 
Because Merlin would not have asked that question. Because Merlin would have just taken it at face value that that's what the dragon means, that it has to be now. But Gaius is actually smarter than that. And he's like, but is that time now? And then the the dragon, because he's a sneaky fuck, just evades the question and says something entirely different. I can't even remember what he answers with, but it's probably not the answer to the question. No, it's not the answer. I don't remember it exactly either, but it's definitely... What is time? What does it really (laughs) mean? No, he he literally, he says something entirely different. Okay, let let me quickly look it up in the in the transcripts because now I want to know but he like I was waiting for him to not answer this question and just as expected he does not answer this question and I'm just like this is a typical dragon move not answering the question is that time now oh no Kagara actually says that is of your choosing sorry well That's it doesn't really answer it either no does it doesn't it? it doesn't yeah well, also in the transcript, it says, like, after Gaius poses the question, but is that time now? And then the transcript makes a note, the dragon chuckles darkly. Of <laughs> that is of your choosing. And Gaius is like, I will not choose between them. And that's when Kilgara says, then turn a blind eye. Blind eye. That is, after all, your talent. Yeah, uh, it's so. just like... That is a great line. I really liked it. And I really would have seen, like you said, I really would have like to see that that episode like it could have made a really great double feature episode out of out of that prequel but you know we will never get it now i would have really enjoyed like um if merlin had done like if he because obviously we we talk about how merlin kind of didn't really get that much more powerful because he well probably because they didn't have the cgi budget to be honest but like (laughs) they're also lazy um and what if he had like kind of gotten so powerful that he managed to like alter the space-time continuum and we had like a double like a back-to-back episode at some point maybe like a finale or even like a, a season opener where he goes back to the purge and he has the opportunity to change things but like decides not to for whatever reason because the outcomes would have been even worse or something like that or um oh no because the purge is after arthur's birth is oh yeah no because i was Mm -hmm. gonna say that like if he had a chance to stop the purge then he would have prevented himself from being born because without arthur being born and the purge happening and Mm. yeah yeah so but but, mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. but without the purge merlin wouldn't have been born oh yeah because because it was the purge that sent Balinor to Yeldor. Oh, yeah. So without the purge, Merlin would have would have killed himself. Yeah. So that could have been like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. See, that would have been like a. Re- and then we could have seen, like, what was going on. That would have been really, really awesome. And then Arthur would have died in the first episode. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because somehow, somehow, he made it to the beginning of season one without dying. <laughs> because if there had been no purge, then no one would have hated Uther, and no one would have tried yeah, to kill true. Arthur. Yeah, true. Okay, so no one would have killed Arthur. No one would have killed Arthur. It actually yeah. it would have worked all out, you know. Now I really need an angsty fic in which, <laughs> for the like, so that Arthur. Oh my god, I just thought of like. No, I just thought of the saddest thing ever. So what if like, after Arthur dies, 
Merlin like kind of does this like you know in his grief he kind of sits there and he looks at all of the decisions that have led to this moment and what he and like what he could have done to prevent them and he comes to the conclusion like what we did when we talked about Mordred that the the root cause of all of this is the whole hatred of magic that's been like this plague over Camelot that started with Uther because of the purge and then people wanting to kill Arthur so he does that with his with this big last powerful burst of magic he goes back and then he remembers his father saying to him how he met Hunith. And then he realizes that if he stops all this, he'll have never been born. And yeah, he'll effectively end his life, but give Arthur another chance at life. And that's what he does. And he dies. And Arthur, like, carries on living, like, from infancy. Listen, you know who benefits from that? Me. (laughs) No. All the Arwen shippers. Well, not necessarily. Because, like... What, well, no, because without Merlin, Uther would have had Gwen executed. No. Yeah. Or banished. No, Bern. because banished. if there is no stuff. purge, then there is no, then magic isn't outlawed. Like, that's what the entire purge is about. Yeah, but Gwen would have still, okay, but she would have still been banished for being a servant, and Arthur would have, like, either gone after her or something, but I don't know. I don't know, I'm not sure. I like to think that Arthur and Morgana would have benefited from that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fun. <laughs> all right, that that took us way off our course. Oh, but it was so. Cool. Let's come. Yeah, let's talk more about Edwin. Let's <laughs> not. Or the episode. Okay, I wrote I, I wrote down some uh, some rhetorical questions. Okay. Um, while watching this. Okay, so first of all. Why does Morgana accept flowers when she doesn't know who they're from? Like, she does know that she is a high-profile VIP in the castle and that people might actually want to kill her. Like, how does no one question this? (laughs) That she receives flowers from an unnamed person, like, without even a card or anything? Like, Yeah, but why would you think that they could kill you? (laughs) Come on now. But, <laughs> That's being a bit paranoid. Seriously. No, I just... Flowers. That's like... No. Like, you, no one would have thought of the beetle, would they? Like, how no, could... but still. Still, honestly, I just... No. <laughs> <laughs> In my head, I'm more like, Gwen is the number one Arthur and Morgana stan in season one and i love it (laughs) like she's just like oh maybe they're from arthur and i'm like oh the potential (laughs) it makes me so sad (laughs) okay but even after she gets ill why does no one connect the illness to the flowers in some way like uther is always the first one to cry sorcery but he doesn't find it weird that like I don't understand how nobody could see, oh, Morgana received flowers from someone we don't know who it is, and then she doesn't wake up for three days. And also, Gaius can't figure out what's wrong with her, let alone cure her. And then a complete stranger shows up. And in a matter of, I don't know, minutes, maybe an hour, like maybe Edwin stretched it out a little bit to make it look like he did more than just pull out the beetle from her ear, I don't know. But, like, a total stranger comes along, orders everyone out of the room so that no one can observe what he's doing, and then Morgana's awakened well. Like, how does no one connect the dots, except Gwen, who does it, actually, but who 
knows that she has no room to say anything because she's a servant and she doesn't have all the facts either. Mm. But, like, I don't understand. <laughs> also, in the night when Morgana first falls ill, uh, Edwin is looming around in the in the courtyard under Morgana's window. And I'm just like, where's the night guard? Why does no one find this weird that there's this dude standing around watching the castle? Like... Uh. I, the useless knights, the useless guards of Camelot Castle is just, I don't understand anything. I think that the writers wrote themselves a cameo in Merlin by basically becoming the guards. Like, the writers <laughs> are the guards. They're mm-hmm. that useless. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Yeah, I completely agree. It is just... Yeah, he is just so creepy, and the fact that nobody thought it was suspicious at all is just, like, very, very odd. But, you know, what can you do, I suppose? Yeah. And then, when Gaius um, has been retired against his will, uh, and he's about to leave, and then um, he says to Merlin, you must promise me you will not waste your gifts. And Merlin mm-hmm. says, my gifts mean nothing without you to guide me. And that is such a big lie because Gaius has done nothing to guide him except give him, the, give him that book of spells. He has discouraged Merlin from using magic at every single turn except for when it suited his like his own needs. Like Merlin is, like later when Merlin has to save Uther, Merlin is, I don't know how to. And guys, if you don't, he's going to die. And I'm like, gee, guys, thanks for not putting any pressure on a baby whose gifts you've never encouraged unless it suited your needs. Yeah. Uh. And people ask me why I don't like guys. This is why. He's honestly like, okay, I can like him for being a flawed character, but since I prefer nice characters... <laughs> And like useful characters. Yeah. I'm just this is why I don't like guys because he berates Merlin for trying to use magic to save people. And then when it suits his own needs, he turns around and is like, Oh Merlin, you have to use magic. And then he keeps on telling Merlin not to use magic. Uh, and to keep the magic secret. But he's the first one to shout out about, Oh Merlin, why why are you using magic? Or Merlin, have you been using magic? While the fucking door is open and everyone who walks past can hear. Like, honestly. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah. I'm just going to quickly point out before I forget that I think one of the reasons why this episode goes so unnoticed is because the name is probably the most stupid thing I've ever heard in the like of all the episode names in Merlin this is my least favorite it has nothing to do with the theme of the episode <laughs> it has yeah. almost nothing to do with the episode at all and they have to force the title into it to actually make it make any sense by having And even to then say, it doesn't really make sense Oh no, because there's no such thing as a remedy to cure all ills why it's 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 too long and it makes no sense and I don't understand why it's there. It's so stupid. But hey, there you go. I do think though that it it was really nice to have, um, like like uh, like what because we kind of 
touched upon it earlier that Edwin is the first person to kind of encourage Merlin to use his magic. And I thought, like, I think it's quite a good episode for that to, like, show us having Merlin interacting with someone else who has magic that isn't an immediate antagonist. Because, like, obviously, like, we've had Nimue and we will have uh, people like Sophia and stuff coming up. But um, I don't think we have anybody else until Freya. I think that's correct, which is so bad. <laughs> I think Freya's the next yeah. time that he has like positive interaction. And then after Freya, I think it's like, uh, what's, hang on, because I always say the name from Lord of the Rings rather than his actual character name. The character uh, that, <laughs> that that's played by Dudley Dursey, what's his name? Gilly? Gilly. Right, oh my god, it's Dudley! Because I always say Gimli, don't I? No, it's, yeah, yeah it's Gilly. Oh my god, that's Dudley, you're right. Did you not realise that? <laughs> no, oh, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, so it's Freya, and then the next time he has that kind of interaction is with Gilly. So they give him one per season, basically. What's the season four magical interaction? I, I'm trying to think. I don't actually. I don't know if there is one. Mm. There. Uh, I mean, unless you. No, you can't really count. Um, it could be Julius Borden, the one who guides Merlin to Ithusa's egg. Oh. Maybe yeah. because I think Merlin trusts him at first before he realizes that Julius is actually. Um, not a nice person. <laughs> because I th- I think I remember Gaius warning Merlin of Julius and Merlin not listening. <laughs> So. Guys, it's like he's one of my ex-boyfriends. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, don't make me think about that. <laughs> it, when he was younger, not now. <laughs> yeah, even when he was Julius is not that old. Oh, I can't remember. He's like age of Merlin's dad. Yeah, so he would have just been like what twenty years younger than Guys. I don't know. <laughs> don't make me think about that, please. <laughs> It's it's no Please. different. Like, like Richard Wilson was a handsome young man when he was younger. Yes. And so Maybe. and so was Anthony Head. Oh yeah, Anthony Head is still hot. Okay. He's still, yeah, but like all I'm saying is, is he that, is definitely you know, they a were the original Merlin and Arthur. <laughs> so. Yeah. Although I'm feeling some definite vibes between Gaius and. Jeffrey of Monmouth. Oh, for sure, for sure. He's like, thank you, old friend. I'm like, I know where I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> A little episode called His Father's Son. <laughs> so, yeah. there you go. I think we know what old friend means in Merlin from yeah. now on. Well, they just admit they just leave out the boy part because they would have probably get hanged for that, or you know. <laughs> what I wanted to say, um, or rather quickly mention, is um, that there is um, a fic, a modern AU, called In Spite of Everything the Stars by Polo Monkey, in which Edwin is still a background character, but he has a very positive influence on Merlin because he teaches Merlin healing magic. And Merlin uh, uses that in... Uh, like he thinks about that a couple of times during the fic, and he uses it towards the end of the of the story. 
um, under circumstances that I do not want to mention now because it would be a major spoiler for the story. Um, but, you know, in that story, Edwin is definitely a true ally to Merlin and he actually teaches Merlin things about magic. Like, it's what the episode um, on the show could have been just done better. <laughs> Yeah. And transported into modern AU. But, like, I really like that. I really like when um, fakes take magical characters from the show that were used as bad people on the show and gives them, like, a positive arc. Or, like, yeah. uh, a more sympathetic arc and, and role where we get to actually um, sympathize with them. Mm. So... I just wanted to mention that. Cool. <laughs> All right. Do we have I've... anything else to talk about? No, I think we we covered it pretty much. Like the the yeah. big. I feel things. like this one's a bit bare on the like the bones are a bit bare, but I have a feeling there aren't that many stands of this episode <laughs> that will <laughs> care, and I imagine that. Everyone will skip this episode of the podcast anyway. I mean, there's just there's just not that much Merthyr in this episode, which is why it gets neglected a lot. Yeah, that is true. That, they have yeah. one scene. To, yeah, we haven't even talked about the Merthyr scene. <laughs> I mean, they have literally <laughs> two. They have two scenes. They have two scenes. They have one um, during the second night of Morgana's uh, sickness when Arthur is sitting in his chair and Merlin is pacing. And oh, Arthur tells, episode, yeah, and then Arthur tells him to sit down, and Merlin keeps drumming on the table, and Arthur springs up and starts pacing. You're making me anxious. anxious. Yeah, but I'm not I, worried. <laughs> I thought that was from this episode, and that's the one that everyone uses to kind of be like, "Oh, these, this is basically exactly what it would look like if the boys were waiting for their surrogate to give birth." Yeah. So. Basically. Yeah. So that's um, that's that, and then there's the second one, which isn't even really a Merthyr scene. It's just a scene where both of them happen to be talking to each other. It's uh, just when when Uther. Oh no! I'm sorry. There's three scenes in which they interact. There's one more just after Gaius gets retired and starts to leave Camelot, and Merlin goes to talk to Arthur and be like, "How can your father do this to mm -hmm. my dad?" And then Arthur is basically like, well, he's made his decision. I can't change his mind. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is just after Uther gets ill and um, Arthur runs to find Merlin and tells Merlin to find Edwin because apparently Arthur doesn't know in which rooms Edwin resides. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah, that's probably another reason why no one really, like, <laughs> pays much attention to this episode yeah. because there's literally three that. scenes in which Merlin and Arthur interact and and they're not yeah but I mean that like you know I, I I mean they don't even interact in Lancelot not much but we still have more to talk about <laughs> <laughs> like it's just really bad but yeah I don't know like I genuinely don't hate this episode I think there's a lot of like meat there but I feel like it makes me sad to discuss it because it just went nowhere so it's just yeah. really sad. It's just so much wasted potential. But yeah. So um, I think that's probably all we have to say about a remedy to cure all ills. Yeah. Anyone has any really like 
big feelings about this episode. Or even small feelings. Yeah, just comment and let us know because I'm still confused as to why I genuinely don't care about this episode because it's quite good, but I don't know why I don't care. (laughs) Maybe it is just I'm so shallow that I only care about the Mirtha. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I just really find Edwin creepy, but I am also very, like, I get really scared of, like, okay, it's going to sound really weird, like, I'm not scared of fire, but I really am scared of, like, like, I can't watch any films or TV shows where there's any kind of burning at the stake, like, I physically cannot sit through it and watch it. I didn't even show up to my seminar when they were showing The Passion of Joan of Arc. <laughs> like, I didn't go. So I physically, and like, even like mentioning it in like the episode and how he's got that burn on his face, and I know why he's got the burn on his face. And I'm like, it makes my skin crawl. Like, it really does. So I'm just like, that might be another reason why I tend to skip it is because it's just really dark. I'm like, oh God, like, that is a person with a burn on his face because he ran into a pyre to try and save his parents who were burning alive and i'm just Mm -hmm. like that is grim (laughs) that is so grim it's very very grim for merlin isn't it oh yeah like they like they could have just like they could have easily not had a burn on his face and just said that that's what he did but no they chose to put the prosthetic burn on (laughs) and it's like yeah. I mean, if the burn hadn't been there and it had been said that he ran into the fire to save his parents and everyone would be like, but why do you know that? Like, there's no there's no evidence of this on his face. So I think it's perfectly all right to put the prosthetic on his face for this reason. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's quite like this, like this show used to air at like 6 p.m. I'm saying it's just quite scary. Yeah. Like for kids. Mm. Um, because like, I mean, they would have had to choose an entirely different way of dying for his parents to make it less scary. Like yeah. the parents would have had to be hanged, and then maybe he ran and hugged their dangling legs. Oh, that's less scary. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's less so scary cool. than running into a fire, but at least you don't have any yeah. physical marks from that. Yeah, you know. Oh God. All right. I mean, I... <laughs> So let's just, so let's end this episode on another high note, <laughs> as we so often do on Merlisson. And next time we are going to talk about another pairing. It's going to be our first fam slash pairing. Yay! We're going to talk about, of course, Morgwen, and we are going to have two completely new until now unheard of guests on this show so be excited (laughs) i'm excited yeah because as of now we haven't recorded it yet like as of this (laughs) recording yeah we haven't recorded it yet but we're going to record it soon and i have every faith that it's going to be awesome cool all right well as usual guys if you have anything you want to talk to us about this episode or any previous episode get in touch leave a comment where you listen to this podcast and uh, we will talk about you in one of our future podcast episodes well we will talk about your comment not so much about you no I, yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> just just want to make sure nobody gets worried we're not going to cyber stalk you and then roast you or anything or just no. we're going to talk about what you said <laughs> Your ma- your name will be mentioned, but that's about the extent. Cool. 
Unless right. we're big fangirls of whatever it is you do in fandom, then we might talk about you, actually, but... <laughs> yeah, I think that's covering all our bases now. <laughs> Alright, guys. Thank you as ever for listening. I've been Momotastic. And I'm a Snowfox. Bye. Bye.